Hello, and thank you for tuning into Answers from the Lab, where we share Mayo Clinic knowledge and advancements on the state of testing and science from laboratory leaders and the people who are making it happen behind the scenes. I'm Dr. Bobby Pritt, the Chair of the Division of Clinical Microbiology in the Department of Laboratory Medicine and Pathology at Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. With me today is Dr. Bill Maurice, the Chair of the Department of Laboratory Medicine and Pathology at Mayo Clinic and the President of Mayo Clinic Laboratories. This is our weekly discussion with Dr. Maurice in which we learn about updates in the field of laboratory medicine and pathology. Hi, Bill, welcome back. Yeah, back after the 4th of July holiday. Lots of things going on in the world and in our area, monkeypox, COVID, lots of things in the news. Yeah, I have to say it was a holiday, but it wasn't that much of a holiday because as you say, yeah. things are still, are still happening. I think you might've mentioned last time that there was a real interest in, from the White House in terms of controlling monkeypox or really addressing monkeypox. And that the fact that this is now spread into the U.S. is to, to work with Mayo and actually four other laboratories through ACLA to get up monkeypox testing using the CDC orthopox viral testing kits. And yeah. so we did actually just went live today. So, yeah, we're the second. And I think it's really important to get the testing up and available for a couple of reasons. Yeah, it's really exciting. Huge advance being able to offer this testing. I got a page from uh, Dr. Binniger on Friday. He was the one that was leading the effort for Mayo to validate the monkeypox test. And he said, we're live. Everything's done as of Friday. Uh, then we got approval from the CDC. So yeah, now our test is live and we can do testing. And I agree, Belle, it's important because we don't really know the numbers the true numbers of monkeypox cases in the US. We just have the cases that have been confirmed and reported to the CDC. Now we have, let's see, eight cases in Minnesota for uh, our local folks, three in Arizona, 72 in Florida, including all of our Mayo Clinic main sites. But in total, as of July 8th, there were 767 cases in the US and over 8,000 cases worldwide outside of the endemic areas of Africa. Probably just the tip of the iceberg. You're right, and that's really the concern here. It's pretty remarkable that we were able, that Dr. Minneker in our lab, we were able to get the test validated and built mm -hmm. and available to providers within just a couple of weeks. I think it might actually be more rapidly than we got our first COVID test that we developed, got EUA for. So it's really a testament to the lab it's also a testament, though, to kind of working the ability to work with both CDC and FDA and the White House task force with Dr. Punjabi on this because of the recognition that testing is so important for identifying cases and to trying to mitigate or stop the spread. So the question in many of our minds are any of the lessons learned from COVID, mm -hmm. can they be repeated? And now we're seeing it much different. Here, the concern is it's the outbreak. I think, as we mentioned last time, it's a little bit atypical in terms of the presentation. It's kind of presenting in some cases, in many cases, as a sexually transmitted infection. So the concerns that we're just not detecting cases. So not like COVID, where everyone's at risk per se, but still testing super important. And so it's quite gratifying to be able to, to provide the testing so quickly, working with the federal government so that we can try and identify how many patients really potentially have monkeypox here in the U.S. 
I agree. And this collaboration with the CDC is a huge advance. We have learned some lessons from COVID in that the CDC was willing to make their test kit available to our five commercial labs in the United States. And that was not something that was part of the COVID response. That was not just part of something that the CDC had done in the past, but they recognized that large reference labs that can really ramp up volume quickly could play a huge role in testing. And I think once we started seeing all five labs, like you said, we're the second after Quest, once the other three are up and running, I think we're gonna start seeing a lot more cases. And I saw that the World Health Organization is actually reassessing whether or not uh, monkeypox will meet the criteria for a public health emergency of international concern. So we'll have to keep an eye on that. Yeah, for sure. And it was actually LabCorp was the first, not Quest, just to make sure everyone's Oh, yeah. No, no, at it. no, that's okay. But, and I think you're right. I mean, the, the real key here is that understanding that there's a difference between having the testing available through the public health laboratories, which are in the laboratory response network that they form, which are really critical for public health and having them available at scale as it can be provided through, you know, commercial laboratories, primarily hospital laboratories as well. just for people to know that the work is actually ongoing. So the CDC, the test kits that they have are still very manual. So the CDC has validated one more automated platform for extraction, but now the labs are actually, the five laboratories are actually working with CDC and FDA because this has to go through FDA to get some of the automation platforms, which the CDC doesn't have also validated. So it's not just like getting that. I think that a lot of people kind of, I don't know, say get confused, but just wonder, well, you have the kits. Why, you know, isn't that enough? Couldn't they just send the kits out? Mm-hmm. Well, oh, well, no, it's not the kits. It's the testing apparatus. It's the ability to actually automate that, which most public health labs do not have. Is all these other things that are out there. It's the ability for a doctor just to order it off an electronic order without having to do all the paperwork submission for the public health labs. So all these things that are needed to get these tests at scale. And I think coming out of this, particularly now that we've been through COVID, we now are dealing with monkeypox. And I think as you and I mentioned before, prior to this, we had Zika virus. Of course, Mm -hmm. we're all women of childbearing age. We're very concerned about, you know, a few years back, we've had Ebola where there was a lot of concern around testing, identifying travelers coming in. So I think that there's a real need to just understand how the private sector can work with the public health laboratories both hospitals and commercial labs to, to form a more effective response to some of these things. And actually that's something hopeful that we can meet maybe through ACLA was helping to organize, uh, but with working with some other academic centers, kind of organize a conference to say, okay, how can we have a playbook, if you will, uh, mm-hmm. now that we re- now that it seems that like we're dealing with this more often than we would like to, but we certainly need to be prepared. Right. If we're really going to start seeing outbreaks of infectious diseases and novel or re-emerging agents every three to five years, we're going to need a good playbook. And probably this is just the start of that playbook, of writing that playbook with distributing these test kits to large commercial labs. Perhaps eventually that will include other smaller community-based academic medical centers. But then also, as you said, having an automated extraction platform. If anyone listening in the audience has ever done manual extraction, they'll know how slow, error-prone it can be. It's really that intended to be scalable to large volumes. And so having a, a system that could extract and test 96 specimens at a time, for example, is going to be really key. And then eventually having it 
be able to be transferred to other systems, not just the one select thermocycler that the CDC always uses, because not everyone may have that thermocycler. And if there was ever a big crunch, I'm guessing that thermocycler would be hard to get a hold of. Yeah, that's right. And I think that's part of the intent is to bring together not just labs, but also the test manufacturers, because for them, it's a much more difficult, you know, because they have their device regulations that they have. So it'll take a really kind of a, a different, all different stakeholders coming together and say, okay, how can we do this most effectively? But it is, I think the gratifying thing for us in our profession is that it is a continued recognition of the importance of testing and really understanding, in this case, public health, but just health in general. So, and in speaking of testing, the other thing I've read is more and more observation, I guess, that this numbers that we're seeing with COVID may not be as reliable as we once saw but earlier when all the testing was centralized but now there's so much at-home testing i've heard up to 70 percent of cases now be maybe diagnosed through an at-home test kit for covid which don't get necessarily reported into the medical records so i'm just wondering from your perspective in your role as the chair of the division of clinical microbiology and so active in cap and other organizations what's the latest on covid Yeah, well, first of all, what you just said is a really big issue. We have more and more people doing testing at home, and that's great. Tests are available quickly. They might not be the most sensitive, but if you're really strongly positive, that's a positive. You can get a fast result. You can also use it for back-to-work testing. But the problem is, is a lot of those results don't get uploaded to the medical records, so they don't get reported. A lot of health systems are creating different avenues, including Mayo Clinic, for uploading those at-home tests to the medical record. But then you have to deal with regulatory issues. For example, every test has to have a location of where the test is performed. For us, it used to be just things such as our Rochester campus or our SDSC location. But now you actually basically have to have an option where the answer is the patient's home. So we're working on all of that. But yes, COVID cases are now going up. And with the um, Omicron BA5 variant, this seems like it's the most transmissible sub-variant yet. And it's now the dominant circulating strain in the United States and much of the world. Yep. So we're not, unfortunately, not done with COVID yet mm-hmm. either, although we hope to be. And I think that's why some people are, I've seen some things in the press about, could we be facing a summer wave? And I think that is related to the BA5 transmissibility, but the reality is we just don't know and people just need to be mindful and thoughtful as they're doing some of their activities and paying attention to the guidances too, because remember that masking and things, the recommendations are predicated on how much COVID spread there is in your community. So people have to still be mindful of those things too, I think. Yeah, it's been very interesting. I've been traveling a lot and Bill, I know you travel all the time too. And I just returned from a flight where they were very clear to remind me on every leg of my journey that masks were no longer required, but if we wanted to wear them, we could. And I was probably the only person wearing a mask on my entire flight. So whenever I'm in a crowd with a lot of people kind of closely packed, I put a mask on, but I have been a little bit more lenient if I am a good, you know, 10 feet apart from other people. I tend not to have a mask on when I'm outdoors, of course, but it's important. I don't really want to get sick and previous immunity, whether it's vaccine or naturally acquired through infection is not necessarily protective against this BA5 variant. In fact, you could have had infection by an Omicron sub-variant, one of the earlier ones just a month ago, and then you can get infected again. Yeah, certainly I've had lots of 
people reaching out to me that I know that is, have gotten COVID again. And I think that's kind of a testament to that. So, yeah, we still need to be mindful. So still, I guess, more importantly, things for us to continue to talk about as well. We haven't even touched on any of the other things going on in our world with all the legislative things around PAMA and ballot. And But I'm sure there'll be opportunities for us to talk about that and other things down the road here, too. Absolutely. Always, Bill. And I think we'll have some updates on some of the regulatory things in the near future. And then probably COVID monkeypox and hopefully nothing else infectious for a while. Yeah, let's hope. hope, Okay, great. Well, have a great week, Bill. Yeah, it's great talking to you as always. As always. See you next time. Thank you so much for tuning in to Answers from the Lab. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast and don't forget to tune in every Thursday and every other Tuesday.